Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters. Two pastors. One podcast. Here's what we're talking about today. That was on there. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Good morning. Hi, good morning. (laughs) I hit play before. I told you, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, so you can smell now, you were telling me. I can actually smell, which is kind of nice. Yeah. So I've been, you know, I've had really severe sinus problems my whole life and it's been <laughs> horrible here in Texas. Oh so for goodness. about six years, I haven't really been able to smell anything. I'm on a new medicine and I can smell things and it's like a whole new world has opened up. Yes. He was so. commenting on smelling both my coffee, which is sitting mm-hmm. right here and me since I just went running. <laughs> yes. Just, but I said it in a nice way. So. You did. And right. I definitely, that was well deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, we were also talking about, or at least you were working on, uh, our, our Sophie's birthday is tomorrow. So our That's daughter's right. going to be 22, 22. our Good oldest. Gravy. And uh, she sent you a paper of hers that she's working on about C.S. Lewis, yeah, just to read and see what she's all about or what if she's got it on the right track. Right. So she, you know, she, she wrote the paper. She just wanted me to review it and make sure she wasn't making any theological errors or right. something. Right. So, you know, I love that kind of stuff. And it was uh, you know, a very well-written paper. C.S. Lewis, you know, great author. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has a way of of um, taking advanced theological concepts and writing them for a popular audience so they're understandable. So yeah, it was a great paper. Good. And so you didn't got... need to you didn't need to correct anything too much. Oh, a couple of mistakes here okay. and there, but you know, okay. some kind of minor things. Okay. But no, no, no big glaring uh, theological errors. Right. So that's good. Yeah. Well, speaking of the big theological mm. questions, that's kind of what we're dealing with in some part today because yeah. we're dealing with the Exodus. Yeah. And There's so, a lot of questions about you know, it. We're working our way through, right? we're kind of tracking with, uh, with uh, Crossways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in Crossways, last Wednesday, we dealt with the Exodus. And so we'll kind of pick it up here. Um, so, it, so last week, uh, God brought his people down into Egypt. So, you know, Joseph was sold into slavery, but it was part of God's plan to... Yep provide for the rest of them so that they all came down to Egypt and they were one big happy family again. But then when uh, when we turn the page over and the book of Exodus begins, a new pharaoh has come into power. The Bible doesn't tell us which one. Uh, and some scholars think it might be 1440 BC, others 1260 BC. But either way, you know, a new pharaoh mm-hmm. has come into power, one who does not know, who did not know Joseph. And the people have fallen from being kind of a, a favored clan to slaves. And so now they're slaves in Egypt. And they're groaning in slavery, and that raises a, a theological question. But wait a minute, you know, didn't God just promise that through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he was going to bless the whole world? Well, how can that happen if God's chosen people are groaning in slavery in Egypt? Mm-hmm. And so when there's this key chapter, uh, this key verse, so Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. So their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. God knew. And so that's very important. Okay. It's, it's, it's not like this was an accident. Right. Uh, it's not like um, God was being malicious or hard-hearted. God saw it. God heard it. God knew what was going on to his people. And God remembered. Which doesn't mean that he forgot. Like, you know, we forget what the car right. are. Right. He had never something. forgotten them. But that he remembered. He, uh, he brought it to mind to act upon it. Yeah, I think this same phrase is used in the story of Noah, isn't it? Where Exactly. He yeah. remembers his covenant with them after the flood, yeah, right? So, so God remembered Noah, yeah. you know. Yes. The flood waters have, uh, have uh, increased on the earth. Oh. And it's a hundred days. You know, he's just kind of sitting there in a boat by himself in the middle oh, okay. of the world. Okay, got it. And it says, and God remembered Noah. It's not like he was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about right. Noah. Right, what happened you know? to him? But 
uh, but rather God acted with favor toward Noah. Right, considering he was always also one of the only eight people left on exactly. the earth. Exactly. Sure, he wasn't forgotten. Exactly. Um, but no, the point being, that was a good point, that there was a new Pharaoh in power. Mm-hmm. We forget that, like, yeah, because, you know, Joseph did enjoy the favor of the Pharaoh and the whole family benefited from that. But then things change and there's a new regime in power and they are no longer favored in the land. Yeah. And, you know, all of this, the, the Bible history does take place on the stage of real history. And so that means that, you know, uh, uh, influence waxes right. and wings, you know, good people come and go and, and things happen. Right. We're studying this in First Peter, too. It's the exact same thing that's going on because he's writing a letter to people who are living under, um, you know, the rule that is not favorable to them. So that Peter's saying you're going to suffer. Yeah. You know, and here's how you hold up under it. Okay. And so God remembered, and what God does is He sends uh, He sends a leader to uh, set His people free, to let My people go. He mm-hmm. says, and God sends Moses, who turns into most reluctant leader almost in all Bible history. <laughs> uh, so you know, God appears to Moses in a burning bush, and uh, God says, you know, I'm going to send you. And Moses says, Me? You know, who am I? Who am I that you should send me? Why should they believe me? I'm not eloquent. Lord, send somebody else. He's right. got all of these objections. All these excuses, yeah. One after another, after another, after another, after another. And some were legit. Apparently yeah, he had some kind legit. of a stutter or something. Right. Okay. Uh, but, the, but the point is, you know, Moses is, uh, he was not, he was the, in some ways the least likely candidate. Okay. And he didn't put himself forward. He really didn't want to go, but God raises him up and sends him. So God is the one who's in charge. Moses is just the instrument in God's hand, right. but God is the one in charge. Which is basically the way it always works. I mm-hmm. mean, David, you could say the same thing about David or... Paul. Yeah, right? I'd say it definitely always works that way. Yeah. It's just sometimes it's much clearer than in yes. others. I was thinking about this as you said the name Moses. You know, one of our favorite little dudes mm-hmm. in Bernie is named Moses. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little brother of on Matthew's um, football team. And Matthew's been on this team for three or four years. And so this little guy's been always around. And anyways, how come he's like the only Moses I know? I mean, nobody yeah. names their kid Moses, but it's strange, right? Because we, no, we choose all the biblical names. Yeah. Well, you know, even biblical names go through fads and fashions. Uh, and so Moses was a fairly yeah, long common ago. name, you know, for, um, I think, especially in the African community, African-American okay. community, mm-hmm. there are quite a few, uh, you know, historical black figures named Moses. But these, you know, the, the names kind of come and go, and it seems to have fallen off recently. Yeah, but definitely, because, yeah. I mean, sim- like the ones we've chosen, David, Samuel, Jonathan, mm-hmm. I mean, they seem to never go out of favor pretty much. But Moses, yeah, yeah you don't hear no, that at, at all. In, no, at least in the English-speaking world. Okay, you know, okay, but, good uh, point, yeah. good point. All right, I took you off track. That's okay. But Moses as a leader, reluctant. Yeah, so God yes. sends Moses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so God sends Moses because, you know, the, the point is that this is God who's in charge. And that becomes really clear with what God says to Moses from the burning bush. Very important passage. Mm-hmm. And so God, so one of Moses' questions is, well, if, you know, if the people should say, uh, should say to me, who sent me, who Who, sent me, me? what what shall I say? What shall I say? What is his name? Uh, Chapter three, verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. This shall be my name. Right. For all generations. You know, I revealed myself. As the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But by this name, I am, mm-hmm. I shall be called throughout all generations. Uh, and so I am who I am. And it's a very hard name to translate. It could be I will be who I will be. Right. But the point is that God is. Uh, God exists. He's the only one. There's none like him in mm-hmm. heaven or earth. He, he, is, uh, he alone is God. And that's really the subtext behind what happens next is that uh, God sends Moses to Pharaoh, who was the strongest man in the world at the time, the most powerful man in the world. 
Uh, and God sends Moses uh, into Egypt, which was the most powerful country in the world. Uh, you know, Egypt had been mm. a superpower mm -hmm. for over a thousand years by this time. Most powerful country in the world. Uh, and God is kind of picking a fight with the most powerful man in the most powerful country to show who's really in charge. You know, I am who I am. There's none like me. There's none beside me. There are no gods other than me. And I will show you what happens in Egypt next. Okay. And then we also have to obviously make clear, you could you could study this I am situation for all of eternity because it's so ripe in the Bible. But mm -hmm. anyways, so that's why when Jesus says, I am he, mm -hmm. it's translated in that same. It really is just I am. I am and that's yeah. why everybody's like, you know, yeah, it's uh, it, everybody it, freaks out because he's saying, I am God. And then of course he goes on to say, I am the bread of life. I mm -hmm. am the vine. I am all, all these things stem from this story right here. That's right. That's right. And the name was so holy that, uh, that yeah. God's people didn't even dare speak it or verbalize it. And so rather than saying the Hebrew, Yahweh, I am who I am, mm -hmm. they would they would uh, substitute Adonai, which means the Lord. Right. So when you read your Bible and you see the Lord in, in capital letters, that's this sacred name. Right. So God reveals himself by a new name. And okay. this is part of the doctrine of progressive revelation, that as we go through history, God reveals more and more mm -hmm. of himself to us. Mm-hmm. I revealed myself to you, to your fathers, mm -hmm. as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now I'm revealing myself to you okay. by this new name. So he's showing more of who he Progressive is. Revelation. Progressive Revelation. I didn't revelation. know about that. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay, I like it. Yeah. Okay. And so God picks a fight, and uh, and he sends Moses into uh, to Pharaoh okay. uh, with signs and wonders. Mm. And so that's the, the, the important thing, is that you know God sends Moses to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh doesn't believe him. And so God equips uh, Moses with these signs and wonders. The first is to throw his staff on the ground, it becomes yep. a snake. The other is to put his hand into his tunic, it's leprous, put it in again, and it's healed. It's you know? healed, yep. The frogs, and, the gnats, right. all the things. All of those things. Mm -hmm. And they're all signs and wonders which are meant to verify the message. Okay. And so the message is, let my people go. And Pharaoh keeps saying no. Uh, and so it's not as if, uh, in, in one sense, it's kind of like God and Pharaoh are going, you know, 10 rounds in a prize fight. Uh, but in the other sense, all of these signs and uh, all of these plagues are just signs and wonders. They're meant to prove to Pharaoh and to all the people that the message, let my people go, needs to be heard. It's from God. Um, and so these are supposed to be signs and wonders, Got like it. miracles. And then right. the same thing, too, with Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, the, the miracles of Jesus were great things in and of themselves. But more importantly, the miracles of Jesus were meant to prove that Jesus is who he said he was. Okay. And Jesus had a message that should be listened to. And so the miracles were supposed to be highlights on that okay. to kind of drive it home. Right. So there's all of these plagues that take place. And they're plagues against the land of Egypt, which was the breadbasket of the world. Uh, we don't often think of it like that because it's a desert. Um, but, you know, you had this desert and the Nile River flowed through it. Nile River continuously flowed. It would flood its banks every year, bringing fresh, uh, nutrient-rich <clears throat> soil from Africa into, mm -hmm. into Egypt. And so, you know, year after year after year, you had new, fresh soil. You had uh, water. You had sunshine. It was just the perfect combination. Uh, so Egypt was the breadbasket and actually remained the breadbasket all the way up until fairly recently, until the, the start of the modern age. Um, so it's the breadbasket of the empire, and the, and the plagues are, are strike that. You okay, know, they the land. the food, the land. Okay. And the other is the gods, the Egyptian gods. Okay. So you have all the ten plagues which come, and you know there's plagues of frogs and gnats and livestock and boils and thunder and lightning and mm -hmm. hail and so on and so forth. 
Um, and below those, again, it's the destruction of the fertility, the productivity of the land. Okay. But there's also this, uh, this um, you know, God is taking, uh, the Lord is taking on the Egyptian gods. Right. So the one I brought up in class was about uh, the frogs, mm -hmm. the very famous plague of the frogs, one of the first plagues. Uh, and the Egyptian, there was an Egyptian goddess of fertility who was the frog goddess. Right. And so he's showing them, you know, who's really in charge. Right. So if you don't know that, then it seems kind of weird. Like, well, what's the big yeah, deal with why, the frogs? Why the right? frogs? Why right. the frogs? Got it. Um, the same thing with the livestock. Okay. You know, uh, the, the Egyptian love goddess was represented by a cow, a cow. of all things. Uh, and so God is showing the people what's going on. Okay. And the ninth plague, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the ninth plague is a plague of darkness. Mm -hmm. uh, darkness so deep that it could be felt, is how the Bible describes mm. it. And of course, Egypt is the land of Ra, the land of the, the sun, sun god. god. And so the Lord is showing the Egyptians who's really in charge. Okay. That it's not the sun god Ra, it's the Lord. Okay. And the tenth and final plague is the most terrible plague. Yes. It's uh, the death of the firstborn son. Yes. And I wish I had remembered this in class, but this is a key passage. It's uh, chapter 4, verse 23. Let's see now where we go. And thus you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Mm. And so God, you know, God sends Moses with this message. Israel is my firstborn uh, not in the same way that Jesus is right. God's firstborn, right. obviously, uh, but in the sense of the the favored one, the the mm -hmm. one who will get the inheritance. And uh, and God sends Moses with this message: "Let my son go." Right. Pharaoh refuses. God gives him nine times to come to his senses. Right. Pharaoh refuses, and finally God drops the hammer, right. which is the uh, the plague of the firstborn, mm -hmm. the death of the firstborn mm -hmm. son, and it's a terrible, terrible thing for the Egyptians. Uh, brought on by their leader, by his obstinacy and stubbornness mm -hmm. of heart. And his own son dies and in his it. his own son dies, right. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a day of uh, rejoicing for the Israelites, and it's a day that's remembered to this day. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, let me do the math quick, 32 or 36 century, 32 or 34 centuries later, still we remember it uh, to this day. It's, uh, it's what we call Passover. So this is uh, Exodus chapter 12, um, verse 8. So God tells his people to take a lamb without a blemish, a male lamb a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and it shall you shall keep it on the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lamb at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood, put on put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it, and they shall eat the flesh of the lamb that night, roasted in the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Mm -hmm. So the keeping of the Passover. Right. So, and there's three key things. That a lamb is sacrificed. Its blood is used to paint and to mark the doors mm -hmm. of God's people. Uh, and then the lamb has to be consumed. The lamb has to be eaten. Um, and that, of mm. course, becomes part of the sacrament of Holy Communion mm. later on, where the lamb of God is given to us. Okay. That we are marked with his blood as God's people. Uh -huh. So that the angel of death passes over us. Uh, and then we have, and then you, you eat the mm -hmm. lamb. You consume the lamb of God in, in a sacrament. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's why keep me around. Right? Yes. Well, okay, but we have to bring up are you are you can we bring up something else for a minute? Sure. Okay. So because in class this is what concerned everyone and this is what also always concerns everyone. Uh 
whether or not Gar- God hardened Pharaoh's heart mm-hmm. or Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And, and you told us that it was both, right? At first, yeah. Pharaoh hardens his own heart, and then God ends up doing that. Um, and we kind of talked about how that connects a little bit to, well, that God always gives us a choice, right? Mm-hmm. But that sometimes when we continue to, cho- we go so far in choosing our own way, um, that the, he then, as Romans says, like hands us over, hands us over right. to that. I think in Romans one twenty four or something, it says he hands us over to our sinful desires, right? Because it is a choice, and um, sometimes he does that so that we might eventually then turn back, right? In, in Revelation, yeah. of course, it says that you know he stands at the door and knocks, like he doesn't like force his way in. So I think it kind of relates to that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, God, you know, God sends Moses. Uh, to Pharaoh with a message, let my people go. Uh, and God knows that Pharaoh will not let his people yeah. go. So there's the foreknowledge. Okay. God's foreknowledge is not necessarily the same thing as God's causation. Got it. So God can know what will happen without necessarily causing it to happen. Okay. He just knows it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, there, there's a pattern. Yep. Uh, that there's 10 plagues and the first five, uh, the line that is given is, but then Pharaoh hardened his heart okay. and will not let the people go. Mm-hmm. So Moses comes... Gives the message. Pharaoh says no. Bunch of frogs. Pharaoh feels bad. He says, I'm sorry. Frogs die. But then Pharaoh hardens his heart. Right. And the same cycle repeats five times. Okay. And then beginning with the sixth uh, plague, the verb, it changes. It goes from, but Pharaoh hardened his heart to God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Mm -hmm. And so there's that key where, you know, we can fall into sin again and again and again and again. On our own. On our own. And event and repent of it. Mm-hmm. When we repent, the consequence, you know, the sin is forgiven. Uh, but eventually, if we keep going down that road, if we keep hardening our heart, God will hand us over to okay. it. He will hand us over to the hardening of our heart. Right. Um, so that we hopefully learn our lesson. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's hard. It's tough. Mm-hmm. And no one said the Bible is easy. No, right? definitely not. No one did say that. Uh, and so let's see. So the Passover, so God uh, God sends the angel of death mm-hmm. and strikes down all the firstborn sons in Egypt, uh, from Pharaoh all the way down to the lowest of the slaves, all of them. Yep. Uh, and But God spares his own people because they are mm-hmm. marked with the blood of the lamb. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Pharaoh lets God's people go. And not only does he let them go, he kicks them out. He says, right. get out of my country. Go. Take all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Just get out. And so you think that, you know, finally you think it's over. Except. Except Pharaoh <laughs> hardens his heart one more time. Right. And does that time say Pharaoh hardens his heart? You know what? Let me take we a should look, take a I'm look. Right okay. Well, you, you, okay. Well, I will just say, so he hardened his heart again, or God, we're going to find out in a minute. And then he follows them. You know, he, he could have just let it go and be done. Say, hey, God, you won this one. It's over. Go. But instead he follows them all the way up to the Red Sea. And oh, interesting. What so is here's, it? Okay, here's a kind of a combination. This is chapter 14, okay. uh, verse 3. So this is God speaking. God says, For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I, God, will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he shall pursue them. Oh, Pharaoh says that God will harden his heart. Well, God says that he will harden Pharaoh's heart. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and over all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Oh. Yeah, so it's interesting. So that one is kind of God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, the as you know, the if you've seen the Disney movie or read your Bible, mm-hmm. you know that the um, Israelites go in, 
into the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. They pass by and it comes crashing down on Pharaoh and all of his chariots. Yes. And there's two kind of key things that happen is the first time, you know, the, the people of Israel, they're finally let go. They're free, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, yep. free at free last. Free at last. Right? Um, and then they're caught between the the sea, you know, the devil and the deep blue sea, between the Pharaoh and the, the deep blue mm-hmm. sea. And so they turn on Moses and they complain and they grumble. And God tells Moses to say this. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Uh, and so God says that by doing this, um, the, first thing, the, the first thing that will happen is that the Egyptians will know. So God says in verse uh, 14 and the, 18, and the Egyptians shall know okay. that I am the Lord. Right. And I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Yep. People of Israel go through, waters come crashing down upon mm-hmm. the Egyptians. And uh, when the Israelites look back from the far side, from the far coast, and they see what God has done to the Egyptians, here's what it says in verse 31. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. And so the people feared the Lord that day. Amen. Yeah, it's like the psalm that says, um, and it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them, right? Yeah, psalm yep. so, so, yeah so sometimes... God's work is so that other people will see and glorify him, right? Yeah, and so this case, it's both. Mm-hmm. In this case, the, and first, it's so that the Egyptians might know I am the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it's so that my own people might mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. that I am the Lord. Yep. And again, that gets back to the big picture here is that there's, uh, you know, God is the one at work. Right. God is the one who sent Moses. God is the one who is revealing himself as I am, mm-hmm. the only God who exists. Yep. And he is the one who will show that to his own people mm-hmm. and to the Egyptians. Right. And then we have to wrap up with saying, ultimately, of course, you know, you say, well, how did God sacrifice all of their firstborns? Well, he sacrificed his own firstborn mm-hmm. on the cross, right? Um, so that's where it all ends up. That's absolutely right. All right. So what's next week? Uh, so next week, so, you know, the people go to Mount Sinai. There God makes a covenant with them. Okay. And it's a very important, it's very, very important to understand the covenant. So I think we spend two, maybe even three weeks, I think two weeks on the covenant. Oh, on the Ten Commandments? Uh, on the Ten Commandments and the covenant in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Mm-hmm.